Niederreiter taking off the puck. Quick shot put on. Ronta with the save. Rebound still available. Couple of jabs and Ronta will hang on. And after that, Jake DeBrusque is pulled away from the Canes netminder by Nino Nino. Seconds, Brady Shea will come out of the box. Bruins, one last push. Puck centered in. Ronta with the save. It's behind him. Push to the goal. Canes knock it away. Net knocks off the pegs. And Ronta makes a spectacular athletic save to reach back to keep that one from crossing the goal. with host Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. The Canes Corner Podcast is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. That was a heck of a hockey game. Do not be fooled by the final score. The Bruins were good tonight. This was the best the Bruins have played against Carolina this year. The Hurricanes swept the three-game season series. They outscored Boston 16-1. First game was sort of choked to death, really by both teams. It was a kind of a low-event game that Carolina led 1-0, got a lucky goal and then an empty net goal uh, in a 3-0 win. And the other two were kind of laughers, both in Boston with the Hurricanes utterly dominant. The first of those, I think, was a 6 nothing shutout in which neither Patrice Bergeron or Brad Marchand played. Uh, and I know you can make the joke that neither did tonight. Eh, they were okay. Uh, pretty much controlled by, or at least neutralized by Jordan Stahl or their line. Uh, but this was an entertaining game that could have gone... The other way, were it not for Auntie Ranta. 
Spectacular stuff. We're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. Go check them out online. Free no obligation estimate can be had right there. If you want to make your home more beautiful on the outside, more energy efficient, no place better than the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Yeah, this really was the Auntie Ranta show. And I'm going to go go through a couple of things here. Uh, and we'll go through how it became 5-1. And we'll talk to Michael Smith in just a few minutes. But this game got going almost the wrong way, were it not for Ranta. You know how Carolina likes to start. to put the stall line out there. They win the draw, get it deep, go attack the puck, and uh, create the pressure right away. Except it didn't work. They did get the they did win the draw, did get the puck in deep, but Boston got to it. They were ready for it because, you know, they watched film too. And then they got the puck forward. And the uh Nino Niederreiter couldn't handle a uh, a pass or he was just hemmed in. I'm not blaming anybody. That first sequence was about Boston's pressure and created a superb chance that Ante Ranta had really I'm not going to say no trouble uh, dealing with it, but he had to deal with it, and he made a save on Jake DeBrus. Grenada Ryder taking off the puck. Quick shot put on. Run through the save. Rebound still available. Couple of jams at Aranta. will hang on. And after that, Jake DeBrus is pulled away from the Canes netminder by Nino Niederreiter. I think the first 10 minutes of the game belong to Boston. And I don't, I don't remember what the shot totals were. Boston outshot Carolina 36-25 in the game. So Carolina was, I think, the better team, but only slightly, and really only because they cashed in on their opportunities once, as we say, the brand muffin goal was scored by Seth Jarvis. I just want to say, if I could just stop for a second and appreciate the fact that so many of you enjoyed that analogy. You know, just kind of, you know, open you up and get the thing, get things moving. That's what that goal is. That's what the brand muffin goal is about. Um, by the way, you can send me better pictures of a brand muffin on Twitter. I love a, I love a good brand muffin. If it's got raisins in it, I'm all about it. Uh, but uh, that Seth Jarvis goal was the brand muffin goal. Uh, it opened it up, and then Nino Niederreiter a minute 50 later makes it 2-0. Uh, this is all at the very end of the, of the second period. This game could have easily gone to the third scoreless. It was an even game. This was not an indication that this is going to be easy at all. Boston is excellent. They didn't get to 107 points and 51 wins accidentally. It's an outstanding team. This can go the other way in a minute. But tonight, Ante Ranta decided that he was going to be that guy. Uh, and I just want to say that I listen to a ton of NHL radio and I have read a lot about how people feel about this series. And a lot of it is, well, we have to be honest here. I did talk to Rod Brindam one day. I asked him how he liked, you know, how he thought his team had played the last three weeks or so of the season. And he said, we were good. And I understand what he's getting at because he is, if I could, you know, think for him, he's kind of grading on a curve because he recognized that this team I'm not saying had nothing to play for, but we got to December and we knew that this team was going to make the playoffs. We knew it. They just win a lot. 54 wins this year, right? That's a lot. So we knew they were going to be in the playoffs. They knew they were going to be in the playoffs. And it was a little hard, you know, it was kind of a, a slog just to clinch. And they struggled against uh, some teams you would think they would beat. And they... We're generating a ton of chances, but not generating a ton of goals. Look, they're not blessed with elite goal-scoring ability. They score a lot of goals, and they do that primarily through creating tons of chances. Now, it's not like their best players can't score. Sebastian Ajo didn't get to, uh, what, 37 goals this year because he can't score. Andrei Svechnikov, I, we can... Uh, make the jokes. He scored an empty net goal today. I think he had seven during the season. <laughs> so 
Uh, but and- Andre isn't uh, 20 plus goals uh, to the good because he can't score. Trocek, Taravainen, they can score. Jordan Stahl ended up with 17. There's plenty of goals to be had on this team. But they're not blessed with elite goal scoring talent. They just beat you because they grind you into the earth and they generate tons of chances and they wear you down and they live in front of your goaltender. Although that really didn't happen tonight. It was an even game. It's a very even game. And actually, if you look at the numbers overall, Boston was the better team in terms of uh, maybe not scoring chances because I think that was pretty even, but Shot totals, Boston had more shots on goal, more shot attempts, all of that. But the third period, Carolina locked it down. Even though Boston might have had more shot attempts, they didn't have more scoring chances. And that's where Carolina did what Rod Brindamore wants. It's like, it's not, he said, I'm not worried about us generating chances. We will generate chances. It's when we limit the other team. And that's what Carolina did in the third period. Other than that first four, five minutes, Boston got the goal right away, right? The Taylor Hall goal, which uh, probably the only uh, poor play Sebastian Ajo made all night. I thought Ajo was outstanding tonight. Didn't quite get to one of my stars, but I thought he was outstanding tonight. But the Ajo, he tried to... Uh, just kind of rim it up the uh, the left uh, the left half wall from behind the net. Didn't get past David Pasternak, and once he kept it in, that sequence led to the Taylor Hall goal. You know, uh, Hall and I guess no, it was Halla behind the net wins a battle. He had help back there. Uh, just a blind pass up the slot. Hall's shot looks like Ronta would have saved it. it looked like it was right and going to hit him in the chest, and I think it hit off of Andrei Svechnikov's stick, like the shaft of his stick or maybe his arm, and uh, just kind of fluttered past Ronta for the only goal Boston would score. Second goal Boston has scored this year. That's right, second goal in now four games. If we're doing on aggregate, Hurricanes 22, Boston 2, but remember, those three games don't matter a lick. And again, tonight was probably, not probably, this was the best the Bruins have looked against Carolina in the four meetings tonight in the playoffs at PNC Arena, which was a madhouse, but we all expected it to be a madhouse. Um, But I digress. Let me get back to the star of the game. Because I listen to a lot of NHL radio and I read a lot of stuff, and I was, I'm not going to say surprised. Look, Freddie Anderson has been your horse all year long. The Hurricanes are obviously not going to be as good, certainly not better, without Frederick Anderson. 35 wins or whatever he has. He's going to be a I think he'll be a Vezina finalist. Might not be. Um, Freddie's last 15 games wasn't great. I mean, he was kind of pedestrian for the most part. And I, I'll be honest, I was a little worried. Uh, I think it'll be a little bit different uh, if and when he does come back because the Hurricanes have not done anything. They won game one at home. They have accomplished zero so far. But it seemed like everybody forgot that Ronta could play to the point where I was listening to NHL radio uh, in the afternoon show today, and Steve Coolius, and I forget who he had on, uh, Martin Biron, uh, who I love on that show, and I forget who else was with them. And only Coolius thought the Hurricanes would win this series. And they basically said, no, Freddie Anderson? I just don't see it. Ronta missed, Ronta... Like, this is not a hot take. This is simply what we have seen over the career of Auntie Ronta. It has never been a case where he was not good enough. Ever. Auntie Ronta, more than good enough. More than capable of winning games and winning a series. What Auntie Ranta has never been able to do or prove is that he can stay healthy for more than a handful of games at a time, which is why he's simply the backup. There's, nev- there's never been an intent 
to roll Ronta out there five, six games in a row in a playoff series. A, I mean, he's been in the playoffs. He's been in the playoffs five years. He's never started a playoff game before tonight. And this was a pretty good initial maiden voyage as a starter. 35 saves. So many grade-A chances steered aside. And it came on the heels of, not that Ante's listening to it. I thought a lot of disrespect for his craft. Like, Ronta's underlying numbers, arguably better than Freddie's. Not this year, but over the course of his career. Just hasn't been able to stay healthy long enough to parlay that into being a number one goalie with, uh, you know, a chance to get the net 50, 55 times a year. So he gets it 25 times. And maybe that's just best for him. Maybe yeah, not everybody is physically durable enough to stand up to the entire season. But tonight, Ante Ranta was the difference. It was the difference between Boston leading one nothing, maybe 2 nothing, and the Hurricanes getting out of the first period unscathed. And then over the course of the next 17 minutes or thereabouts, 16 minutes, Ronta was the difference in keeping it scoreless until Seth Jarvis and Nino Niederreiter could happen. That was about the, the, the first two periods, absolutely about Auntie Ronta. And then in the third period, he had to make some good saves. He was called upon. He allowed the one goal. Again, I do believe it was deflected off of Andrei Svechnikov and through. But just a spectacular performance from Ronta. Uh, Rod Brindamore told me today that when I asked him, do you expect to use both goalies? He goes, I hope not. No offense to uh, Pyotr Kuchetkov, but Rod Brindamore said out loud what I think a lot, what surprised probably a lot of us was that as long as Ronta is winning, Ronta is going to play. And look, he went through some stretches this year where Auntie was just spectacular for three. Uh, you know, three games in a row, that might be the ceiling, and maybe by that time, Freddie Anderson can come back. He has skated, didn't skate today. My understanding about this injury has been from the outset, um, once they realized it was not structural, my understanding was that they thought Ronta was going to come back in the playoffs. It was unlikely that it would happen in round one that it was, they were hopeful of if they could get to round two, that he would be available at the start of that round of the playoffs. Now, as it turns out, he might be a little bit ahead of schedule, and it's possible we see him, I don't know, game three or game four in Boston. I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility, but I also, I wouldn't expect it. I think it's more likely that we see Anderson... Uh, maybe a game five, but again, if I was going to wager, I would say it would. It's a break glass in case of emergency, Freddie Anderson type of a deal, and a game seven, game six with your back against the wall, and they'll just ride out Ranta, and if they have to, Kachetkov, until, and there is zero wrong with that. Michael Smith, intermissions and aftermath here on the Hurricanes Radio Network and 99.9 The Fan. Sir, I really wish I could have been there. My bout with food poisoning is now over. Back, back, yeah, it was was a mild case, but it was enough. It was enough to make me wonder, so I stayed away (laughs) out of an abundance of caution. That's a phrase we haven't heard in over a year. Um, So I stayed away today, uh, but... I could feel the building vibrate from Oxford, North Carolina. Just yeah. t- take me inside the building first, and then we'll talk about the Auntie Ronta show. Yeah, I bet you could. And uh, uh, hopefully it's, I, you know, I don't know, mild food, but I don't know yeah. if they're, if food poisoning can be mild. It's, it's usually pretty. Uh, Wasn't that bad? Just, Wasn't yeah, okay, that bad? That's, that, that's, yeah. Good, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've been in the building and, when those doors open up, the doors to the locker room open up, 
um, you know, as, as the team heads to the ice uh, right before the first period, it's the, the building just starts to shake. The rally towels are going nuts. The dust from the rally towels is flying everywhere. That's, I always forget about that. And then I look down at my phone and I'm like, why is my phone just covered in this, this white film? And it's all the, the dust from the rally towels. I've, got, I've probably got tons in my lungs. So the doctors will probably cut me open years from now and be like, wow, he's, uh, I have no idea what this is, but it, it definitely killed him. Um, <laughs> And, and, and the place just, it just gets loud. Every, every hit, every save, every key play, there's just that pop of noise that the building's loud during the regular season, but it just, it, it, it gets taken to a new level in the playoffs. Then when Seth Jarvis opens the scoring in the game late in the second period, uh, when you go into the third period and Vincent Trocek slides the puck over to Tavo Teravainen for that big goal to put the Canes up 3-1, there's just that that level of noise that you just you can't get at any other time of year, and that's that's why Stanley Cup playoffs and, and postseason hockey, especially in Raleigh, yeah. is is the best. Here's the thing that uh, that I, makes me laugh when we try to manufacture during the course of the regular season mm-hmm. playoff atmosphere. Like I wish people would understand that you can't you can't wish that. That just is. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. I don't care how big a regular season game could be. There's no. There's nothing playoffs about it. It's not a. You know. There's no best of seven during the regular season. Uh, it's. Yeah. I just. I wish we would get away from that. Uh, because while we had, there's a difference between a big regular season game and a playoff game. An well, enormous, and- an enormous gulf between the two. And even in the stands on the ice, I mean, you look at the way these two teams play. Carolina had like 22 hits in the first period or yeah. something like that. And you could point to regular season games where they might not have even hit that number in 60 minutes. Right. And they hit it in the first 20 minutes. And some of that had to do with the fact that they didn't have the puck a whole lot to start the game. Yeah. I think they found their game as, as the first period went on. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a completely different atmosphere. And I go back to 2019 when the Hurricanes returned to the, the playoffs for the first time in, in a decade. And just watching that, that uh, you know, when once the series shifted back to Raleigh for game three and just watching those 60 minutes and, and seeing how intense and physical and, uh, and just it's just so much different from the regular season, both on the ice and in the stands. There's just nothing like it. Yeah, the uh, as as loud as it was in '06 and '09, I've never heard anything like Game Three against Washington in, mm-hmm. in '19. I mean, it that that was the kind of sound that vibrates through your body. It, mm-hmm. it was absolutely earth shattering. All right, now to uh, the man who made his NHL uh, playoff starting debut tonight at what, age 32, Auntie Ranta? Yeah, yeah. Um, a Wiley just, veteran, 32, and a first career start. Here's what's interesting to me, and I, was, I, I listen, as I'm sure you do too, uh, given uh, whatever your time constraints are during the day, but in the morning driving in to work, in the afternoon driving home, this time of the year, really all during the hockey season, I'm listening to NHL radio. No no disrespect to my guys, Joe and Joe. Um, but, you know, part of what I need to do is really to keep up to date on what's going on in the NHL at all times and different things. Yep. Um, and I was kind of blown away by, I mean, I, I didn't hear everybody opine on the series, but the overwhelming majority are like, yeah, yeah, no Freddie Anderson. Just don't see it. Carolina is not playing all that well. Uh, Boston, I uh, Boston and six, Boston and six, Boston and six. I'm like, I mean, Boston could win the series. I mean, I've, I'm, I've said this from the beginning, Boston could win this series, not easily, but I wouldn't be surprised. The only surprise in the East that would, uh, for me would be Florida losing in the first round. Anything else can happen. Um, but I, it did strike me that they were completely dismissing the fact that Ante Ranta is more than a capable goaltender. Like, this shouldn't have surprised anybody the way he played tonight. Right, and it's it's also interesting when you consider the fact that if it was Anderson starting, 
the storyline would probably be, oh, well, he's never made it out of the first round, <laughs> Boston six. Like it's the storyline is <laughs> you're eventually you're reaching the same conclusion. You're just using a different goaltender to reach it. And I don't think you can discount either of them at this point, Anderson or Ronta, given their body of work throughout the regular season. I get the fact that there was some concern over Ronta, especially towards the end of the season. Um, you know, when the team went through a little bit of a slump there in early April, I guess you could say. Uh, and then, you know, of course, Ronta tweaks. Uh, a little something on that last road trip. But I think that last regular season game against New Jersey was really big for him just just to come in and physically, you know, feel like, okay, he can do it. Yeah. And then maybe even more importantly, mentally be okay with where he was at uh, heading into the postseason. And uh, I think the Hurricanes, when you really look at it, could have maybe gone either way, whether you turn to Ronto or you – or you give the start to the kid and Pyotr Kochekov, given the way he played late in the season. But, um, you know, I think ultimately the, the right decision going with the veteran, giving him at age 32 his first start, because he is a big reason why you got to this point. Him, the work of, of him and, and Frederick Anderson uh, led the Hurricanes to what was their best regular season in franchise history. And Ronta tonight, you know, continuing to show um, at just how good of a season he had. You know, you, you give him game one. If he doesn't play well, you can give the rookie game two. I mean, sure. you could just go to the rookie. He, he did look very cool, very calm in New York uh, in a game that Carolina wanted, and I know the Rangers wanted. The Rangers yep. wanted to win the division, right? Even though maybe if you think about it, maybe they would be better off playing Pittsburgh, who they've owned, than Boston, or because Tampa was still a possibility at that time. Um, yep. But ultimately, the Rangers wanted to win the division. You got to—I mean, it's good to win the division. It's good to be able to put a banner up. You know, the Rangers are probably playing with house money anyway, being a little bit ahead of schedule, uh, <clears throat> and, and they went for it at the deadline. I wouldn't call what Carolina did going for it, but they—they uh, they added a piece who has played well. Uh, yep. There's nothing wrong with the way Max Domi's playing, but um, yeah, I, I just think that it, there was just a lot of. I'll just call it slander. A lot of Auntie Ranta <laughs> slander today. Uh, that was like if you had watched him during the season, like he played really well all year long. The only knock on him has been can he play multiple games in a row? Now, what do you think of this? Because I asked Rod, and I, you may have heard it in the uh, in Stormwatch if you were uh, mm-hmm. listening at all. I asked mm-hmm. Rod if he was intending to use two goalies until Freddie got back, and he went, "I hope not." Sounds to me yeah, like Ronta's getting the net Wednesday. Well, I think in the playoffs, you have to go with the hot hand, and then you have to kind of ride that hot hand until the hand isn't hot anymore. Uh, and so, you know, right now that's going to be Ronta. And, and yeah, that's, I mean, that is the one knock, right? That, um, that you know, can he hold up over uh, a period of time, a stretch of time that he's seeing regular starts? And this first-round series, uh, is, you know, there are no back-to-backs, but it's it's pretty tightly condensed. You go every other day, and then you look ahead to the weekend. Uh, you play Friday night, and then you play Sunday afternoon. There's yeah. not a lot of time in between there. And I know I'm getting, getting ahead of myself a little bit there because we don't know what's going to transpire over these next two games. But, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the question is, is can he hold up until Frederick Anderson gets back? Tonight, I think... Uh, he was solid. He looked good. The Hurricanes did a good job in front of him, clearing out those second and third chances. Uh, he was good, especially early, you yeah. know, uh, really allowing the Hurricanes to, to settle into their game. They kill that early penalty, and they start possessing the puck a little more. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you, you obviously you go back to him Wednesday and you just kind of take it game by game and go from there. But, but yeah, I, I totally agree with Roger. Like You hope you don't have to use two goalies because you hope you can just continue riding a hot hand uh, until maybe the second goalie that you use is a healthy Frederick Anderson coming back uh, and, and ready to hit the ice. Yeah, and who knows when that's going to be. I mean, again, yeah. you know, when Anderson got hurt in Colorado, uh, my understanding a couple of days later was that a little bit of a sigh of relief in that it wasn't structural, there wasn't anything mm-hmm. torn. Uh, it was just, we'll just call it a strain. Uh, yep. But you know, it was just going to be how long would it take him to feel good enough to get on the ice 
and be as flexible and explosive as he needs to be. Um, and he hadn't skated, at least in, in any official capacity. I know he was on the ice yesterday, but he didn't get on the ice today. Um, and it's got to be, I think, once he gets back on the ice and starts skating, probably a week after that, that he's, you know, potentially back in the crease. Still seems like, to me, it's, I mean, game five at the earliest. You right. know, and, we're, and we might even be talking about round two, which is what I was told uh, would be uh, the best case scenario uh, back almost a month ago. Uh, all right, let's talk about another uh, another debut tonight. Because I didn't have him as one of my three stars. But Seth Jarvis was awfully good tonight. I love that line, by the way. Mm-hmm. I thought Andre, mm-hmm. Aho and Jarvis were outstanding, but... That's a pretty heady little deflection in front of the net. Yeah, it is. Uh, that line was really good. Really, Seth Jarvis, when you look at his season, uh, he got hot at the end of the season, which is exactly what you wanted to see. He kind of caught fire at the right time. That seven-game point streak heading into the playoffs, you kind of felt like, okay, you know, this is a kid who um, you look back to the beginning of the year and – First round pick, of course, he's got that skill, he's got that talent, but are the Canes too deep for him to crack the lineup? But, you know, he makes it impossible for the Hurricanes to send him back to junior. You have to keep him on the team. Uh, he has a couple of good months. Then you you hit a wall. Uh, inevitably, you hit a wall as a rookie in the league. Uh, but he bounces back from that. And, and he talked about it late in the regular season, talked about, you know, how sitting out, sort of made him feel and how he had to reassess his game and just rediscover um, his game. And and it is a challenge for a a rookie, for a kid, you know, jumping from junior to this level where you're playing 82 games, where the cadence is the way it is. And the the physicality is is so much different than it is uh, in the league that he was playing. So he caught fire at the right time, right at the end of the regular season and it's kind of ridden that momentum wrote it right into this game, too. And that line, he's playing with two incredibly skilled players. Um, but that goal is is exactly what you want to see from him, right? He gets to the front of the net. He's able to get his, his stick on the puck. Uh, and that's a big goal. That's a big goal because the Hurricanes, I think, the ice might have been tilted a bit towards Boston. Uh, the Hurricanes start playing with the puck a little more. That, that, that goal came at... I think the end of a sequence where the Hurricanes had the puck a little yep. bit, they were rolling around with it, uh, and they're able to capitalize. And that, from there, uh, they were just able to take off. The kid just doesn't um, – he doesn't shy away from big moments. And, and that, to me, uh, makes me really intrigued to see what he can do over the course of these playoffs because he could he could really be an X factor for the Hurricanes. There's no question about it. It's funny. I called it support scoring. Uh, although Nino Niederreiter had 24 during the year, but he hadn't done a lot in the postseason for Carolina. Really has not been pretty. I think he has seven points in however many postseason games he's played for Carolina. Mm-hmm. Vincent Trocek's only had two two opportunities. That's it. Two series last year, and uh, the the two you know the three game series in the bubble, and then the Boston series the year before hasn't done much. Yep in the postseason, but you get a goal from Trocek and honestly an evil goal, a mean, a mean spirited goal from Vincent Trocek <laughs> off the face, off the mask of all market in just a, a, an exclamation point really on, on, on the night as a whole. And, and not, uh, I mean, really had the style of a Lamborghini on that goal, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I did hear, was it uh, was it Manisca- did 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 Mike say who said uh, somebody said uh, that the uh, Brad Marchand who looked out of gas probably needs more fuel efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it is it is a great one. I like that one. Yeah, it, it is outstanding. Um, <laughs> by the way, like I I don't know did I don't know if if you did three stars tonight or Dennis on the store on aftermath. But I always do three stars when the Hurricanes win, and they're always Hurricanes. I don't care uh, who else might have played well. Um, even even though Jarvis was great and Nino was great and Trocek was really good and I thought Martin Natchez played a really solid 
kind of heavy game. By the way, Aho had five hits tonight. Aho mm-hmm. was throwing yep. his body around, which I liked. Uh, I had Jordan Stahl as my third star for mm-hmm. not only winning 73% of his faceoffs, but after the first 10 minutes, it looked to me like Bergeron, Marchand, and DeBrusque kind of quiet. Yep. Kind of quiet. I think yep. I think the big man uh, put them in his his back pocket. Uh, I had Slavin as my second star, and of course Ranta is the first. Well, you mentioned Jordan Stahl, and that's exactly what Rod Burnmore said after the game, right? He's, uh, you know, what was kind of the difference in in shutting down that line? And he goes, "The big man." Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> that's what he's tasked with doing, and um, and he does it more nights than than he doesn't. Um, I mean, that's that's really going to be a battle to watch all series. You mentioned him in the face-off circle, too. Uh, I know the Hurricanes kind of struggled in that department the last game of the season. You're obviously missing Stahl in that department. He's such a huge asset there. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, – please forward all complaints to for three stars in the in the aftermath to Dennis. Uh, that's at the fan rookie on Twitter. I have nothing to do with that. What, what did, who did he who did he give stars to? I'm curious. Uh, he's uh, we, let's see. We did Jarvis, okay. Trocheck, and Ranta. I, I mean, yeah, I don't mind that. Three good picks. Yeah, yeah three good picks. Th- there were a lot of options. I have always been accused. Our uh, my former friend, he's still my friend, uh, Alec Campbell, <laughs> used to call them my indie band three stars of the game because I don't follow the score sheet. <laughs> Like Stahl didn't have a point tonight. Slavin right, did have the did. assist on the on the on the Jarvis goal, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. Did Stahl have a point? But, no. I and sometimes it's the players who don't show up on the score sheet that yeah. you know deserve the accolades. It's just it's tougher to um, quickly say, okay, here's why they deserve the accolades, but it doesn't mean they're any less deserving. Right. Um, thoughts on the penalty kill. Good, really good. Uh, especially, I mean, that penalty kill three minutes into the game. Um, Big DeBrusque had a scoring chance a minute into the game that, that Ronta had to be yeah. quickly sharp on. Uh, and then you have to call on the penalty kill three minutes into the game to be sharp. Um, I thought that was really good. You kind of hoped, you know, after the first period, the Hurricanes had a couple of power play opportunities weren't able to score and you were kind of hoping that, okay, hopefully that, you know, doesn't come back to bite them. That's easily one of those things where you look back 40 minutes later and you're like, I really should have had one on the power play, but um, the penalty kill was, was excellent as it's been all season. They just, they make it look so effortless, I think. Um, And and sometimes too, you kind of forget that the other team even has a power play uh, until you look up and, and count, uh, the number of players on the ice. I thought the penalty kill was good, um, and Ronta obviously a huge part of that as well. Yeah, the, the, I thought the first the first kill, and yeah. that again that was uh, Shea Dogpog uh, mm-hmm. in uh, at 17 minutes. Um, to me, that was about Ronta. The other two kills were about suffocation. Yeah, I mean Boston didn't have really really any time with the puck. I don't believe they registered a shot. They might have gotten one shot in the next two power plays combined. The third one was Carolina's best kill. Uh, that was just spectacular. I didn't hate Carolina's two power plays. I didn't hate them at all. I mean, they weren't uh-huh. awesome, but I didn't think they were dreadful. I mean, Boston's yep. good at killing penalties too. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with you there. And you mentioned Ronta being big on that first power play. I think Boston had four of their nine shots that they had through the first 11 minutes or whatever it was, four of them came on the power play. Um, so yeah, Ronta was, Ronta was huge early. He, he kind of earned first star honors in the first half of the first period, just for the way he played there. Um, because it could have easily, easily gone Boston's way early and it could have been a, a vastly different night. And Ian Cole gets two saves, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He, yeah. Yeah. He's, Officially credited with Tuesday. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, I will let you have the last word on this, Michael Smith. What did t- what does tonight's win mean? Well, I mean, it it means nothing. I mean, really, it means nothing in the grand scheme of it. It means the Hurricanes are one step closer to winning the series, one step closer to winning the Stanley Cup. 
there's still a long way to go. Um, it's exactly the, the type of start that you wanted to see the team have on home ice. Kind of a care, you know, I know we, we say when the playoffs start, the regular season doesn't mean anything. But again, the Hurricanes dominated the Bruins in the regular season, 16-1 in goals. They dominate, uh, in, at least in terms of goals on the scoreboard yes. here tonight, 5-1. They've only allowed two goals in four games against the Bruins this season. That says a lot. Um, so it's, it's kind of a carryover from the regular season and that the Hurricanes just kept on rolling against this Boston team. And that's important because we're, we're at the stage now where these two teams are meeting for the third time in four years in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, when, when, when push comes to shove, if the Hurricanes are going to make it out of the Eastern Conference, they're going to have to beat a team like Boston. They're going to have to beat a team like Tampa, even though they got steamrolled in, in Toronto tonight. Uh, these are the teams you, you kind of have to beat to establish yourself as, uh, you know, an elite team in the NHL. We, we saw what the Hurricanes did in the regular season. The numbers they put up are elite. Uh, but eventually they got to get past these teams in the playoffs. And tonight's game was uh, the first step in the path to doing just that. I, you said it right. The game means nothing other than it's 1-0 Carolina. It, what happened, and I actually, you can make the argument, and I think Rod was trying to make it, that Boston was the better team. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think it was a very evenly played game. Carolina mm-hmm. took advantage of the opportunities they had to score. Uh, and once they got, as I call it, the brand muffin goal that just kind of opened things <laughs> up, uh, they were, uh, they were in good shape. Uh, Mr. Smith, I will see you at PNC arena on Wednesday. I appreciate your time. Excellent, Adam. Glad to hear you're doing well. We'll see you on Wednesday. It was an even game. I thought it was an even game through 37 minutes. Um, And then, even though Carolina was putting pressure on and Boston was putting pressure on the Carolina net, uh, it was entertaining as hell. I thought it was a great, just a fun hockey game to watch in spite of no goals. But then, born out of traffic, two goals that ultimately decided the game. The first one, uh, good pressure from the Ajo line, and I thought Sebastian, as I said earlier, Sebastian was excellent. Uh, And then the puck comes out, Jacob Slavin on his offside, uh, gets the puck away quickly, and Jarvis happens. Now Svechnikov able to get it to Ajo. Ajo, back to the point, work to Slavin. Pretty exciting. Seth Jarvis. We'll get back to more on Jarvis in a second. Uh, but at that point, you could just sense the, the momentum building. And Carolina was carrying the play at that point. And then Nino Niederreiter uh, found the puck. And there were trees in front of Linus Olmark. And the net rest is history. Niederreiter to D'Angelo. D'Angelo. He gets it back. Shot by Nino Niederreiter's had a remarkable season. And if I'm thinking about, give me some exciting things about tonight in terms of who did what. Now, Carolina played well throughout. I mean, there weren't anybody. Didn't, I don't think there was anybody who didn't play well tonight. Um, but over the last three playoff seasons, they have been, I mean, goals have not been easy to come by. That's obvious. Nino Niederreiter hasn't done a lot. Vincent Trocek hasn't done a lot. Look, against Boston, Sebastian Ajo hadn't done a lot. Ajo, who has 10 goals in 13 regular season games in his career against the Bruins, had one goal and six assists in nine playoff games against Boston. It's pretty different. Now, context, first year in Boston. Well, not in Boston, in the conference finals. It it was clear that Ajo had a a wrist, a hand problem or something. He wasn't taking face-offs at all. Brock McGinn was taking face-offs. Yeah, Brock McGinn, remember him? He was taking draws. But Ajo's game tonight was excellent. But Nino Niederreiter, 
scores. Vincent Trocek scores. Tavo Teravainen scores tonight. Uh, and Trocek, Trocek's goal was just, I mean, evil. It's an evil goal. It was from behind the net. There's no way. Olmark did not expect at all that a shot was coming. He was getting ready to move in front, move across for what he assumed was a centering feed. And Trocek just backhand flip right off the side of the mask and in. Trocek knew exactly what he was doing. Olmark, unfortunately, scored on himself. That's an own goal. But a beautiful play by Vincent Trocek. But think of that. You know, when you're getting, when you get Nino Niederreiter off to a good start, Vincent Trocek, who played well tonight, off to a good start, you get the Jarvis goal, you know, ultimately, that if those guys, Ajo's going to score, Svechnikov's going to score, stall. <laughs> um, it was cool to see that that support scoring, and it's hard to, you know, with a straight face, call Trocek 21 goals, I think, on the season. Nina Ryder, 24 goals in the season. Teravina, 21 goals in the season, or 22, whatever it was. It's hard to call them support scoring, but that's kind of what they are because you don't expect tons of goals from them. But it was really good. Really good to, uh, to see the way they played. Uh, the hiccup at the start of the third, again, I mentioned the, the mistake by Ajo, but that was basically it, and after that point, thought the Hurricanes were outstanding. Uh, limiting opportunities. Uh, this would be a good time to talk about the penalty kill, which was off the charts in the last two. Three for three on the kill. Boston had come in. I think Boston and Carolina's power play had both been kind of lame uh, over the last month of the season. But ultimately, they're dangerous. And I thought Boston's first power play, which happened three minutes in, Brady Shea, puck over the glass, Dogpog. I thought Carolina's, uh, that first power play for Boston was good. They generated shots. They generated scoring chances. Auntie Ranta was their best penalty killer. The other two Boston power plays were eaten alive by Carolina's kill. Eaten alive. Boston couldn't even get the puck in the zone. I don't believe they set up really for more than, I don't know, 15 seconds, 20 seconds on either of the other two power plays combined. They just couldn't get the puck in the zone with any control. They might have had the puck, but it wasn't like they were calmly passing it, you know, whipping the puck around the zone. They were scrambling at all times. Carolina just had sticks everywhere. They were really, really good on the kill tonight. I mean, they have the best kill in the sport. It hasn't been as good, hasn't been bad, hasn't been as good over the last, say, 15 or so games. But they were on top of it tonight. Absolutely on top of it tonight. Uh, Jordan Stahl, 16 of 22 in the faceoff circle. And I'm not I'm not sure they outplayed the Bergeron line. They might have. They certainly neutralized the Bergeron line. Now, I thought there were some chances in the first period. The first 10 minutes, I thought... Uh, Bergeron, Marchand, and DeBrusque were very good, very noticeable, and very dangerous. But I think that was pretty limited the rest of the game. And remember, Stahl doesn't have to win that matchup. He just has to neutralize that line. And not it's not just Stahl, of course. It's Jesper Foss and Nino Niederreiter. But they were pretty doggone good. In fact, Marchand, DeBrusque, and... Uh, Bergeron combined for minus seven tonight. Brad Marchand leading the way at minus three. Uh, the Ajo line was better than the uh, Halla line. I know uh, Taylor All had the goal on a pass from Halla, and it was Ajo's turnover that created the entire thing. But that was one moment in time. Other than that, Svechnikov, Ajo, Jarvis, excellent. Absolutely excellent. Special shout out to the 20-year-old from Winnipeg. My gosh, what a great tip. Because that shot was wide of the goal, and it may have been wide on purpose by Slavin. And Jarvis just redirected it down and five-hole on Olmark for the 
for the X-Lax goal, for the Brand Muffin goal. Uh, but that line was excellent. Trocek was better than Charlie Coyle. That Trocek's line was better than Coyle's line. I know there were shot attempt advantages, but uh, uh, Tro and uh, Teravainen, and I saw a fair amount of Martin Natchez on that line. So I'm going to have to go uh, go check that out. But I saw a fair amount of Martin Natchez playing with uh, Trocek and Teravainen. And I got news for you. It uh, kind of made me feel a certain type of way. I thought Marty was very good tonight. I thought Natchez was excellent tonight. He had his Martin Natchez moments, but uh, good on the penalty kill. I thought he was heavy in the defensive zone. I do think that playing with Jesperi Kotkaniemi has been good for Martin Natchez. At least it was the first, uh, last game of the season. But again, why are we? Why would we draw anything from a, a period of good hockey against the Devils? But I, I like the way Natchez has played in the two games playing with Jesperi Kotkaniemi, and I think Jordan Martinuk is good. Maybe it's Martinuk that's really good for Natchez. Martinuk has been good for younger players. He just plays such a simple, straightforward, gnarly physical game. Martinuk had five hits in like three and a half minutes of ice time in the first period. He finished with five. Speaking of hits, Brendan Smith, seven hits. Nino Niederreiter had five. Sebastian Ajo had five hits. And I forget who he dumped with like a flying uh, Dusty Rhodes elbow. Oh, it was just awesome. It wasn't a penalty, but he just came in and just drove this dude into the boards. It was a thing of beauty. Uh, Jacob Slavin was great again. 23 minutes, 41 seconds. He led all hurricanes in ice time. Uh, and I just I do think it's interesting. There was a lot of balance in TOI on the blue line. Uh, so they didn't have to load up. Slavin didn't have to play 26 minutes. You know, Brett Pesci and Brady Shea were just over 21 minutes each. It, we, Rod didn't have to load up his uh, his stars. Tony D'Angelo was actually sixth in TOI, just under 17 minutes. Brendan Smith and Ian Cole. Each played over 17 minutes. Each took a penalty and still played over 17 minutes. It's pretty impressive. Again, Brendan Smith had seven hits on the night. Really good. Doesn't mean anything. Got a game on Wednesday. Got to get ready for. All right, let's try to go through the goals real quick uh, without necessarily loading you up with highlights. We loaded them up at the beginning of this whole uh, thing. Uh 16-28, Jarvis finishes the play that was started behind the net by his line mates, uh, Andrei Svechnikov, Sebastian Ajo, and Seth Jarvis, uh, combining to keep the puck in. Ajo gets it up to the point, left point to Ian Cole. He got it across to Jacob Slavin, and uh, Slavin's drive, he just kind of flung it at the net, just off to the right of the goal, deflected down and through by Jarvis, one nothing Carolina at 16-28. Minute 50 later, Nino Niederreiter uh, made it 2-0. Uh, this was uh, good work from uh, Martin Natchez and Tony D'Angelo. The puck gets to Nino. And Jordan Stahl parked on top of the crease. Martin Natchez skates over and gets in the way as well. Uh, that's a lot of body in front of Olmark. 2-0 Carolina. They take that to the locker room. Uh, they were really, really good at the end of the second, just like they were really, really good at the end of the first. Uh, and then, you know, the first five minutes of the period, really important, and Boston was better in the initial part of the third period. Uh, the Aho mistake leads to Taylor Hall's goal. Great pass by Eric Halla out in front. It was Halla and McAvoy behind the net, uh, keeping the play alive. He gets it to Hall in the high slot. That shot. Looked like it deflected off of Andrei Svechnikov and passed Ranta 2-1. And then you go, oh, look at this. It's a game again. Uh, because once it becomes a one-shot game, all Boston's got to do is keep it that way long enough to get the goalie out with, let's just say, two and a half minutes out. Then you have an advantage. And obviously there's still, still so much time left. 
But a one game, one goal game in the third period, man, doesn't make a difference what it looks like. Even if Carolina was dominating and they weren't. And then Tavo Teravainen uh, and Vincent Trocek got loose. It was a bad play by uh, uh, Greslick, who uh, had an opportunity to keep the puck in or play the body, didn't either. And the puck gets through him. Trocek picks it up in the neutral zone. It's he and Teravainen. And early in the game, Teravainen had a great opportunity in the slot. Off a pass from Trocek, by the way. And he just basically hit Olmark in the chest with it. And you could tell when they panned over to the bench and Teravina's on the bench, he's shaking his head, knowing he needed to do more with the shot. It's hard to get a puck to go through a goalie's chest. And he did not waste any time. And he put it up high uh, over Olmark for 3-1. A little bit later on, well, a lot later on, basically 10 minutes later, because the Teravainen goal came at 7:02, Carolina really, really clamped down defensively, and now they were in uh, simple counterpunching mode. And Trocek has the puck down the left side, and he's skating basically along the goal line extended, back in from the left corner in toward the net. He goes behind the goal line, and at that point, Olmark gives up on a Trocek shot, and is now playing it for a pass. And it was simply awesome that the puck goes in off the mask of Allmark and in 4-1 dagger goal. Svechnikov adds the empty netter uh, about a minute, exactly a minute later, actually. 5-1, that's your final score. My three stars of the night were, I mean, look, there were tons of guys. Ajo was great, could have been a star. Jarvis could have been a star. Um... Trocek could have been a start. Nino Niederreiter could have I mean, tons of guys played well enough to, des- to, to deserve stars. Uh, third star, Jordan Stahl. Not only did he win 16 of 22 faceoffs, and Carolina won the night 57 to 43%. Ajo was 9 and 6. Uh, so Ajo won 60% of his draws. Uh, so, but Trocek, brother Stahl, not only won 16 of 22 faceoffs, he really did limit, after the first four or five minutes of the game, he really did limit. Patrice Bergeron, uh, his line, uh, really controlled the game or controlled Boston's top line. There wasn't a lot of danger from that top line after you know we went past the halfway mark of the first period. And that's because the stall line pretty much had it down. Uh, So he got my third star. Second star was Jacob Slavin. I mean, nothing that Jacob does surprises any of us who watch him 82 times a year in the regular season. But he was absolutely Slavin tonight. I will just use that as an adjective. Or Or is that an adverb? Yeah, I think it's an adverb. He's, or maybe it's a uh, it's a verb. He's slavened tonight. He was tremendous. And then the first star of the game was obviously Auntie Ronta. And I will be surprised if we don't see Ronta in game two. I will be surprised. Because Rod wants to ride Ronta, if he can, until we see Freddie Anderson's return. By the way, Jack LaFontaine was called up as uh, my guess is insurance just in case Ronta does get hurt before uh, Freddie Anderson's return that LaFontaine would have an NHL backup goaltender uh, even though Jack LaFontaine is not really an NHL backup goaltender. We're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. Go check it out. Online, aluminumcompany.com. Sammy Hanna and his crew are there for you. You want to make your home more beautiful, more energy efficient, siding, roofing, windows, entry doors, storm doors, gutter helmets. They've got it all. Aluminumcompany.com. Follow the Canes Corner Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating and a review. And uh, enjoy it because it shows up automatically. As soon as we post it, boop, it just shows up in your phone, on your tablet, 
your laptop, wherever you get your podcast, whatever your podcasting machine is, it shows up. Until Wednesday night, when the Canes and Bruins renew hostilities for game two, I am Adam, 5-1 good guys, one nothing lead in the series. We'll see you later. This has been the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You can listen to this podcast at WRALsportsband.com or wherever you get your podcasts.